1: From the AnteUp headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Antia poker PokerCast, and now here are two guys who think they know how to play poker: Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's August sixteenth, two thousand nineteen. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza,
2: and I'm Scott Long. What's going on, buddy? Well, first of all, congratulations to you last night on your first three hundred game of the year. <laughs>
0: Very first game of the season, I couldn't believe it.
2: Yeah, we went bowling with some friends this weekend, and uh, Laura was telling him, "Hey, Scott's business partners had like three or four three hundreds, and I'm like, he's had like 40. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course I'm telling you that, and then you go out and roll another one. After. I
0: couldn't believe it. How boring. Yeah, no, I'm just, and it's like only you can only go downhill from here. Let's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's only going to average three hundred.
2: Can never do better. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I guess no one's ever rolled a 900 series, have they?
0: No, about 30 people have. Oh, okay. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> well there we go. You can never do better than
0: that. I'll never forget. There was this one guy a couple of years back. He was, like, in Massachusetts or something, and he had never bowled a 300 in his life, and he bowled 900 that night. Never bowled one, and he bowled three in one night.
2: I'm pretty sure if you roll a 900, they should just give you the
0: keys to the bowling alley. It's Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Just yeah. put your name on the front and quit bowling, too, because you're never going to improve on that. So.
2: Now at the 10-pin uh, that we went to, they actually cut the uh, pins in half and write your name on it when you get a three hundred. Oh, yeah, number.
0: yeah. That's cool. We, yeah. Now, because you can't get rings anymore. You used to be able to get rings, um, but once you've done it once in your life, now because so many people do it now, it, yeah. it, it' like, break the bank, so now you can't get rings, so they give you, like, these plaques that are in the shape of pins, you know, or something. Uh-huh. But, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was a nice feeling, you know, to not throw a three hundred. I'm not bowl a ball all summer and then show up first game and throw three hundred. Couldn't believe it. So felt good. Well, congrats. Thanks, buddy.
2: (laughs) Um, Now I'm headed off to Reno, where the uh, World Bowling Hall of Fame is. By the way.
0: Yeah, that that big old beautiful. Well, it used to be beautiful. I think it's run down now. But yeah, the bowling stadium's there.
2: (laughs) Yes, I'm gonna walk in and go. Hey, do you know who I am? I'm in business with a guy that rolled a three hundred the other night. <laughs> I'm not paying the three dollars and sixty cents admission price. That's right. Go let me ride
0: in. They'll let you ride in. Just I'm telling you, show him a picture of me. You're in.
2: Here, here's a picture of his plaque that he got.
0: <laughs> That's right. I'm in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I am going to be in Reno uh, this weekend. at uh, The Annie Poker Tour at Atlantis Casino Resort and Spa. It uh, actually starts today if you're listening on Thursday and not on the day that we say the show is being recorded, but we never recorded on that day. So it yeah. uh, uh, runs through August 25th. Uh, the schedule features 19 events with $350,000 in guaranteed prize money with a $1,100 buy-in main event that will land the winner on the cover of Annie Up. Other unique events include a seniors event, which has been renamed um, in the honor of our um, former um, ambassador, Kerry Marshall, who uh, passed away um, uh last week so that's gonna be bittersweet for everyone yeah and then uh also a battle of the ages a kitchen sink tournament and an eight game mix as well as plenty of other no limit hold'em stuff uh for all the details visit anti dot com slash atlantis um like i said i get out there saturday and i'll be there through the end of the series so um please uh come out and say hi
0: and you'll weep at the majesty of the grand sierra mountains right that's just so beautiful
2: that's though. true yes yeah uh, the most most unique tournament area you'll ever play in I promise you that well That's I shouldn't awesome. say it. the most unique one I've ever played in but yeah. it's, it's very, yeah. very 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 nice to be able to sit there and uh, check raise the guy in seat nine while you're looking at the majestic
0: mountains <laughs> very good
2: um, and uh, one of my favorite resorts to go I mean the food is super good there um, uh, drinks are cheap they're sports books so I can bet on the Green Bay Packers preseason games and everybody can laugh at me for being a degenerate <laughs> um but uh, and then uh, downtown Reno is kind of nice. Uh, it's really nice as well, too. So a lot of stuff going on there. And uh, I'm also going to make a little uh, trip down to the Republic of Malisea while I'm there. So I'll, I'll report back on what that means next week. But I'm Holy very cow. excited. Holy cow. But uh, so, yeah, definitely come out and say hi. I've already have a lot of folks showing up uh, that I know. Obviously, it's pretty close to Thunder Valley. So we get a lot of our Thunder Valley friends over for it. Um, so it's going to be a good, uh, good 10 days out there. So. When, when out.
0: you report back on the Republic of Malise, you have to explain to everybody what the hell that means.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> please,
0: please have an explanation a, ready next week.
2: A full short report next week because it's not poker. <laughs> Thank really. it. Unless, maybe, hey, maybe a poker game is going to break out there. I don't know. But, but well, that you would be a really cool story. You, you
0: know? could try to do that. You force yes, it. Yes, you know? true. All right, cool. you know,
2: International. I don't know what the rules are there. So. <laughs>
0: you got to let us know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs>
2: Uh, See, so yeah, that's a tease now. Now people are like, oh, man, i got to come back now next gotta week. Now i got to
0: listen to this stupid show again next week? <laughs> I always hated
2: that when you were a kid, right? Because they always ended, uh, like, the Batman yep. or the 2 yeah. in the morning was, stay tuned for next. We
0: to find out what happens. Like, yeah. come on! <laughs> <laughs> the whole week away. Just when I thought I was off, they pulled me back in.
2: Kids are so spoiled now where everything, like, drops in one day on Netflix, so... There's no binging back when we were kids. Uh, that's right. The only binging we did was on uh, Little Debbie's.
0: <laughs> I was going to say like Froot Loops, but you went all hardcore Little Debbie's. I <laughs> had yeah, some Ho-Ho's. I mixed, uh, mixed it in a little bit. I had all the food groups. Oh wow, man. You know how many thousands of dollars of free advertising we're giving these companies? <laughs> Damn it. We should learned how to market this stuff.
2: Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Little Debbie and Ho-Ho's haven't advertised in years. So. <laughs> A lot of listeners are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the public, I'm all seeing Now, Little Debbie's. What's going on?
0: Daily updates brought to you by Little Debbie's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, a staking group has sued World Series of Poker main event final table list. Is, is that a word? It didn't come up on spell check, so it must be a word. I guess so. I mean, what's a better term for making a final table?
0: Uh finalist.
2: Well, a finalist doesn't mean anything. Mean, anybody's a finalist. I don't mean, if you know. Cast is technically a finalist.
0: Soul survivor. I don't know. How do you offer me? I That's didn't invent the That's language. The Not Noah Webster.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, final table seems to be the best thing to
0: describe. Well, you episode. can hyphenate it and, like, you know, say final table participant or something. I don't yeah. know. Jeez, come on. Has sued That's... the guy who made the final table, of the World Series.
2: All right, let me start over now that we've gone through that whole <laughs> logistic lesson today. <laughs> Brought to you by the Hostess. <laughs> um, a staking group has sued Real Series of Poker main event final tableist Nick Marshington, saying he backed out of a staking deal prior to the main event uh, when he got a better deal from another backer. Marshington says he did, in fact, cancel, and he knows it's not proper to do so, uh, but he said he had a rough series before the main event and wanted to take the better deal. The members of Biscuit Poker Staking said they are entitled to their 10% of Marshington's score. Because Washington didn't return their money until after the
0: event started,
2: Washington says he tried to return the money before the event, but was unable to so lots of stuff going on here
0: yeah, that's interesting that last part you know at, at the beginning it sounded like oh it's just going to be another he said he said thing, but then at the end it's like you know you you had our money and played. how do we know you didn't pay and buy in with our money and then find someone else who you know that's going to be interesting to try to dissect and and, and figure out what happened.
2: Yeah, so, you know, oh boy, no winners here, I think. No. So, um, one, uh, obviously, uh, Marshington was horrible, <laughs> and even admitted he's like, you know, hey, you're not supposed to back out of backing deals, um, and that and that's what the folks at Biscuit said, is like, you know, hey, this is not a placeholder is, where right. you book the action and then you keep shopping around. That's not how this works. When you right. book the action, book the action, and if you didn't get a good enough deal, then it's a lesson you learn from next time, and you get a better deal next time, right? So. yeah. yeah. Um, So a lot of blame there. Now, the other side of it is that um, if Marshington won out in the first round, (laughs) or I'm sorry, let's say Mincash, right? Right. Mincash, is this a big deal now for uh, the folks that see Biscuit Poker Staking? Or is it only a big deal now because he made the final table and there was $154,000 coming their way?
0: Yeah, but you can't think like that. It does, what's, what's legal, if, if there's something that's illegal being done here, which at the beginning it sounded like it was just ethical, but now that it might be illegal doesn't matter what inspired them to sue. People always sue when they get hot coffee poured on them at McDonald's. But, I mean, that's but what they just grabbed That's I mean, so I'm saying. So I, I don't think that it doesn't matter if it's a big deal or not. I, it, what's the difference? They still sue. Well, you know what I mean?
2: No, I guess the ring I'm bringing over is are we even talking about it if,
0: if he ming cashes? Oh, is, are we talking? Well, yeah. No. Is
2: Seabiscuita just going to say, all right, fine. We're not going to make a big okay, deal. It's not over. news then. You know, $2, yeah, know, $2,000 that we'll get out of that. But now it's $154,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different story.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's when it becomes okay. news. Well, because the, cause the who the person is. You know, if it's in the middle of the pack, you might have heard about it. But because he's at the final table and almost won the whole thing, now it's news because it's so much money and, and all that. But And there could be lawsuits going on that we don't know about. But just because oh, yeah. it's such a big... Okay. You know, high uh, high profile thing. That that's what what's going on here. But uh, I I guess like I at the beginning of this story, I thought, ah, oh, it's just a you know unethical he said he said thing. But then at the end, when it's like he tried to return the money but was unable to, I don't know. That's well, yeah, that's get
2: that's what this whole thing is going to come down <clears throat> to because he claims he you know he tried to return the money the way he got, it and I forget what that was. I think it was on PokerStars, right? I think they transferred money on PokerStars, right. and for whatever reason, the people didn't want it that way. Then they had this back and forth about different ways. And by the time they finally decided which way to give it, he was already on day two of the final uh, – not the final table, day two of the main event. All right. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like it was all his fault. Um, and it certainly doesn't sound like it was all the staking people's fault. It looks like it was a little mix of both there. And that, so that's what's going to make this very difficult, I think, if it goes all the distance to uh, to a trial. But, but overall on this, I mean, when I first heard – before I got into all this other stuff, right – I was like, yep, another staking deal gone bad, like all of staking deals do. <laughs> yep. I just, you know, I get why this is an important part of our business. Um, I know that there are people, uh, trust me, the people that, that uh, got in on the Grano staking loved it this year. So not telling people not to do it, not telling people to uh, to book the action, not telling people to uh, buy into a piece of people. Um, but, you know, it shouldn't be this hard, you know? Yeah. There, there should be, and maybe there is, like a an uber poker staking attorney out there that does nothing but that, right? Yeah. And just has all the paperwork and all this written down, um, even clauses about finding better deals. I mean, maybe that's what's going to happen out of this now is those staking agreements from people that actually are smart enough to do those things are going to get more verbose now and have more stuff in it. So, you know, there's, there's – um. this a better process here you know hey if you cancel money has to be returned by x amount of time to in this format and if not then the action continues and um, I don't know, I just uh this is why i don't think I would ever get involved in staking. I just there's just too much that goes wrong
0: now uh, this is funny you're saying that because back in the day when our company was struggling in the beginning, didn't we say something about we might actually do some sort of staking company or something someday because of who we were and we would have the branding and get people under our belts and have them wearing our patches and stuff. We did
2: talk about that, yeah,
0: yeah, it's funny you said you would never do it, but it was like your idea like eight years ago.
2: To make the final table, of the World Series <laughs> next year. <so. laughs> We're no sea biscuits. <laughs> um, no, but it's just i like, I mean, even we had a we had a really good column from one of our columnists, Michael Lockie, and I don't know if it's the most recent issue, the one before about about staking. Yeah. And really, his advice is what what I'm saying here is it's it, it's sharks in the water. So if you're going to get involved in this, and if you're trying to become a pro, you almost always have to be. You know, just be sure the whole legal stuff's down i mean that's kind of the the good thing about poker is everybody's friendly in a way right everybody knows everybody and there's a lot of handshake deals and that's an easy way to get things done i mean how many times have we talked about how much more efficient we are at Annie up than we were at the uh, st Pete times right. <laughs> to do 97 meetings to figure out whether to put a period after a word um so it's really easy in poker just to shake hands and, and then make it work but um but, I mean, how many stories have we heard about people shaking hands and then not getting money, and then it comes out 2 plus 2 and becomes public and blah, blah, blah. Forget that headache. I just – I wouldn't want that headache in my life, you know. You, you know, I, think... I went to uh, see Eddie Murphy Raw last night, right, a classic movie, loved it, and they talk about prenups and stuff. And how the, the woman wears a guy down and is like, okay, we don't need one, and then <laughs> gets the bars and Susan for all the money, right? It's just like half. Yeah, half. Um, I mean, I just, I I think that's what's going to be here. Even if your best friend wants to stake you, I think that, hey, here's the form. Read it over. Have your attorney read it over. Make sure you're happy with it and sign it, and then we're good to go. And if you're offended by that or you don't want to do it, then uh, let's not risk our friendship on this.
0: You would think at this point with the amount of money – that can possibly be won in poker these days and the amount of smart people who play poker. I know a lot of them are just numbers people. They're really smart with numbers and computers and things like that. But there are a lot of hedge fund guys out there. There are a lot of lawyers out there who are playing poker and winning and doing well. You would think by now there'd be some sort of boilerplate, ironclad staking agreement contract out there that everyone would just use. It's just boilerplate. And then if right. you want to like have a little addendums or whatever to it, that's one thing. But you would think it'd be out there and everybody would avoid this crap. But it's not. Well and it
2: might be. I mean I haven't gotten a legal zoom lately. I haven't had uh, a nah. proper Shapiro show up in my commercials recently. But um uh, but but I think I mean here's the thing, even if there is, I think this is what this case illustrates. I, I, I wouldn't I couldn't imagine a staking deal that talks about backing out early to get a better deal. I mean, it just, it's not. Yeah. I mean, even the uh, marching in here admits that it's a scummy thing to do, but he had a bad summer, so he's like, all right, fine, I'll screw you guys. I got a better deal here, and which I think was the worst thing to do because I mean, who's going to stake them now,
0: right? Yeah, no shit. That's crazy.
2: I mean, I'm not going to, I wouldn't stake the guy. I wasn't going to stake the guy to begin with, so he's not crying <laughs> for, for over losing me and my little Debbie, Debbie Millions, but, um, but I'm like, you know, you, your word is who you are in a lot of business, especially in poker. Yeah, and yeah. As soon as I know that you are going to shop around and find a better one just because you've had a bad year, uh-uh. Forget it. There's other people I can back.
0: Of course, you've of the money you want at the World Series, he probably doesn't need a backer anymore.
2: Well, that's probably true. Well, he, he will eventually because every poker player uh, blows all that money. So. Yeah, yeah. Sad truth. Stay tuned. <laughs> alright uh, the Borgata which had won a judgment against poker pro Phil Ivey for edge sorting a baccarat is seeking Ivey's earnings from uh, the recently concluded recently concluded World Series of Poker Ivey had three min caches for less than $10,000 before he final tabled the Poker Players Championship for more than $124,000 uh, shades of this in the le- the previous item. yeah
0: exactly oh man I don't know what to think about this you know I, is that how they do it? They just wait till he keeps making money and keep paying them back, or I mean, did he not? I don't know. Ugh. Unbelievable.
2: Well, I think the most interesting thing that I read is that I mean, I mean, one—if you have a judgment against someone, you're going to try to collect however you can, right? right. So certainly not going to fault Borgata for saying, "Hey, uh, looks like you got some money, <laughs> and remember that you owe us a bunch." So let's go ahead and uh, get that to us. Um, what was interesting is uh, that, you know, people are like, what does Ivy doing playing in a state where there's a judgment against him? Because uh, the, the the judgment extends from New Jersey to Nevada. So like you're almost inviting this to happen at that point.
0: Maybe he's trying to pay it off. He's trying to earn enough money to pay it off.
2: Yeah, well, if that's the case, he, would have, he wouldn't have contested this. He would have paid the right <laughs> offer. We wouldn't be talking about
0: it <laughs> today, I right? know. Hey, I don't know what's going on. That's why I didn't know what to think of it. I'm like, what is going on with this?
2: Well, and the other thing that's interesting here, again, I've never cashed in the
0: World Series.
2: <laughs> I've given cash to the World Series, but um, in both of these things, uh, Caesars froze his money until these legal, both in the Marshington case and in the Ivy case, they froze uh, that amount that's it contested until the court's figured it out. So, wow. um, I would think a month or three or four weeks after uh, the series that I would already have my money, <laughs> but I don't know how that works.
0: So, maybe that's I mean, why he's playing because he doesn't know if he's going to win or lose. He so might as well keep practicing his trade. You know, there's no reason why he shouldn't well, keep playing. I've been
2: mean, like, Washington. I'm like, his money's still yeah. you know, that $54,000. That's <laughs> is frozen by Caesar now. So, I'm like, I may I. I mean, I don't expect you to walk out of there with a suitcase full of six million dollars. <laughs> right. I would imagine you walk out of there with a check, right? I mean, I don't know how long this takes. I guess this—I need to figure this out now. So, All not right. that I have anybody trying to collect on me. no one's garnishing my wages. <laughs> like Fletch.
0: All right. It's been a long process. Long, right? It's got long process. Very long. But our new Annie Up website should be launching over the weekend. Uh, we'll have a lot more details to share on next week's show, but it may affect how you are notified of the new any Up poker casts. Uh, if you don't get pinged next week, uh, as you normally do, if it doesn't come up on your feed, uh, please visit any pokercast slash poker And then, you know, resubscribe, do whatever you do to subscribe. Normally. Um, we were told by our, our web guy that the existing feed now will force your product to go pick up the new feed. Um, but just in case do that and then also let us know let us know if if you have any uh break in your in your coverage or whatever you want to call it so um but we're excited uh the website's really really visually appealing very it makes a lot of sense it's it's it flows nice and uh it pops and it's a lot more efficient and effective for us for our you know for our needs and uh, we're very happy about it. it's finally going to launch uh, get Up merchandise at tpublic.com slash stores slash anti-up to check out T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Up magazine, Antioch PokerCast, or Poker Tour logo. Scott show me a bunch of the varieties that we have that are going up soon, and they're pretty cool. They're like uh, yeah, I wasn't
2: making that up. I wasn't lying. I just,
0: no, they are. They're, they're, we, we had to get together and look at them and... And uh, the themes on them and stuff are are pretty unique and funny. So they're good stuff. So t- check them out and uh, get get your favorite ones. And uh, we love hearing from our fans. If you have a Hand of the Week listener spotlight or call the floor submission, email us at com or post in the Antioch fans group on Facebook. All right, this is our listener spotlight brought to you by GE. Uh, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at com. And if they haven't won something from the past year. Just like we do with Call the Foreign Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a setup of J Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Any Up Poker Cruises, available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. It comes from Don Ducate. Says, "I'm taking my son to Las Vegas for his 21st birthday. Woohoo! Anything free I can get, or any suggestions?" <laughs>
2: Uh, first of all, my uh, we celebrated my brother's twenty uh, first birthday in Las Vegas. It's a pretty cool place to turn twenty one. So, hope you had fun. I'm sure this this came in a while back. So, okay. Um, hope uh, hope the son had fun. Um, so, you know, we've talked about this a lot over the years on the show about Vegas. So, the reason I put it back on now is I've realized how little I know about Vegas now.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you haven't been there. You, you only never, go there for like twenty four hours.
2: myself, Mister Vegas, and had all these tips about where to go to get a. 20 cent hot dog and a dollar rum and coke um and uh the whole city's changed now yeah like shawshank oh we're all getting a a big hurry and uh it's changed so much now so um uh so much of the stuff that i used to do doesn't exist anymore and um just don't get out there as much anymore so uh, i i am no longer an expert on vegas but um what I uh, what I know still exists is the uh, Las Vegas Advisor uh, website, LasVegasAdvisor.com, which has a ton of uh, um, information on it, and they still do their coupon book. So um, there is some free stuff in there, Don, uh, but a lot of it's uh, bogo's and other kind of stuff like that. So uh, that's probably your best bet to get some deals. But uh, the cold hard truth is Vegas isn't cheap anymore.
0: No, you can get like the the free water show at the Bellagio, the free pirate show at the Mirage. No, those are good. No. Oh, oh man! Watch- yeah, you can the still block. the, the Bellagio still does the water. Uh, yes, the you park. go outside and watch the fountains. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and there's probably a, still a bunch of people on the strip handing out like half naked pictures of people that you can <laughs> show your kid on his twenty first birthday and not feel embarrassed. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's true. It has cha- And God, if it's changed for you, I can only imagine what it's done for me. I haven't been out there since two thousand like ten. Yeah. Or twelve, yeah. ten or 12, whatever. But yeah, so yeah. But, um, there's plenty to do out there you you i'm sure well he we already did it himself, but if you're planning it yourself out there, then you'll find plenty to do you'll get your you'll it's expensive, but you'll you'll get if you, as long as you play enough, you'll get enough free stuff too so.
2: Uh it's getting harder to get the comps too. That's the other thing. I was talking to some friends this week about. I mean, there used to be a time when downtown even a five dollar blackjack better like me could get a free meal. Um that's you know laughable now. So oh, wow. um especially on the strip, geez, I mean you're talking probably black chip or better, um for them even to rate you anymore. So Do they still well, give you uh, drinks? Yeah, still get free drinks. They, right. they still take that away. They, they make you pay to park now, but they still give you free drinks. Oh so, man, that, that's the that's still the holy grail of, of comps in Vegas, which doesn't extend everywhere. There's a lot of casinos that don't do that anymore. Oh, uh, not, so
0: how is that not the uh, death knell for a casino?
2: Well, a lot of those ones that don't are in not in competitive markets. So no, I was
0: gonna say, you have, you, if you can go across the street and get free drinks, you're gonna go across the yeah, street. No, that 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 would be different. But, oh, okay.
2: Uh, but the one constant too is downtown is always cheaper. It's more expensive than it used to be. I would not classify downtown as cheap anymore uh, but it's definitely cheaper than the strip and uh, I think a lot more interesting you know it's different than what it was before it's not the downtown Vegas that I grew in lo- uh, grew, up, uh, fell in love with years ago um, but the way it's grown it's been it's still super interesting to me so a lot of neat stuff down there the big heart attack grill uh, that's right that's right and uh, not too far down there is uh, Evil Pizza it's a pizza place all um, with Evil Knievel um um uh, memorabilia and uh they they were in the news this week because i don't know if you guys saw but uh las vegas is under this grasshopper infestation oh yeah these grasshoppers are everywhere right yeah yeah. and uh so kind of as a joke uh evil pizza made a grasshopper pizza (laughs) and uh, they didn't use the grasshoppers that were in in town they actually you know sourced them
0: right right Uh, the ones that are yeah, made for
2: eating, own, maybe a top or somewhere or whatever. <laughs> and um, but they said they they uh, they thought they'd sell three slices. That there might be three crazy people that showed up that one that say they ate a grasshopper pizza and put it on Facebook. Not that I would ever do that, no. Um, but then it turned into this thing, and so many people were ordering the grasshopper pizza that they ran out of grasshoppers, Holy and cow. they literally had to go to every Asian restaurant or ethnic restaurant in the in the city to beg, borrow and steal more grasshoppers because they couldn't God.
0: come out. That's hilarious. Yeah. See what happens when you tune into the show, you find out all this stuff.
2: So yeah, but yeah so that's part of the interesting thing down downtown. Container uh, container park is fantastic. So um again, not cheap, but cheaper. Than the strip.
0: So, How uh, far did the Ellis Island go? Remember when it used to be like a dollar for that steak dinner? What is it now? I'm
2: glad you brought that up because uh, that used to be like the go-to thing. You know this, right? You know, we land. I would every time I land, everyone I'm with, I'm like, we're going to Ellis Island. We're getting the steak thing, steak special first, right? Yeah. Back in the day, it started at four ninety-five. Uh, it's crazy even think about that now. You can't even go to McDonald's for four ninety
0: five now. I know. Right? But, I know.
2: Um, and then over the years, the price slowly went up. At one point, they added a beer in to kind of cover the price thing, which is fine. And then it got to a point uh, two trips ago where I'm like, I went there and I'm like, all right, it's no longer a deal anymore. Oh. You do know, beer. It was I think it was like thirteen bucks now. I mean, it's still good for what it is, but it's not you know the deal,
0: right? Yeah.
2: So this last trip at TDA, uh, a bunch of us got together. Like, hey, let's go to Elsinore for the steak. And I'm like, all right. And um, and the price came down now. So now it's um, if you get the coupon, it's ten bucks now. You don't get the beer anymore, but um, and a fantastic deal at ten bucks.
0: Yeah, I remember though when the business first started, we'd go out to Vegas together every year, and we five bucks each. It was like a ten dollar meal back then when the company was you know still in the bread, That was great. We and I yeah, used it was- to substitute for a. Uh, brewed uh, root beer instead of a beer. Yes, yes. Remember? Oh, doing. man. All right. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast.antieatmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Comes from Vinny Ferrigno. I was going to say Ferragamo, but that's like... Uh,
2: yeah, no. I was going to say he might be a, a
0: distant a, relative of the Hulk. <laughs> that's Farigna. Is that how you, No, this is Ferringo. Ferrigno, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe you typed it wrong. I don't know. I, I met Lou
2: Ferrigno at the airport.
0: You did? Albany,
2: New York, a couple years ago. Oh, of, nice. all, of all, of all, airports to meet the Hulk.
0: Well, I mean, he's always in New York for the uh, King of Queens. So uh, yeah, I was, sure. <laughs> I was playing in a tournament in a Houston poker club. Uh, the first color up break, they removed all the hundreds and five hundreds, racing off the hundreds for five hundreds for one thousand chips. I also noticed when they had an odd amount, they rounded down. For example, when there was 3,500 and 500 chips, they rounded to three 1,000 chips. Shouldn't it round up to four 1,000 chips? Also, can't you just do one chip race for all the hundreds and 500s at the same time for anyone that has less than 1,000 and odd chips?
2: Elliot says, the TDA rules for color-ups and race-offs do not specifically state that odd amounts need to be rounded up or down when awarding chips. This is how it is usually done, though. Uh, let's think about this in real terms. If you round up, you potentially end up with one whole uh, entire chip of the smallest denomination play on each table. In the schema thinks this should not add even one hand of play to most rooms' daily tournaments. And if it does, who really cares about one extra hand needing to be played if the players feel like they were respected and treated fairly? For multiple color-up situations, when two or more denominations are being removed from play, the lowest-denomination chips must be raced off first. Those odd chips are awarded, then the current current lowest-denomination is raced off until the process is completed and the unnecessary chips have been removed. If, as you pointed out, the hundreds and five hundreds are to be removed, trying to race off those chips as if they are one denomination becomes very inefficient. First, you may simply run out of cards at a standard table. Everyone has six hundreds and nine hundred and five hundreds in front of them. Second, it's easier to read through one to four cards for each player to determine high cards than for up to nine cards per player. Finally, if a player has three 100s and one 500 and wins the race off for 500, they now color up and do not participate in the race off for 500s. To summarize, even though it may seem inefficient to do separate races for each denomination, it is in fact the fairest and most efficient way to color up and race off ships when multiple denominations are to be removed
0: from play. We have uh, completion of an O'Malley's move today. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to talk about. It's right, right? That's, that's, that's
2: well, the only that's thing I'm going to mention. Is this came in when I was out at uh, Thunder Valley and I was hanging with Matt, Matt Savage, and I immediately asked him, I'm like, what poker room does race off for 100s and 500s at the same time? And he said, oh, there are some. There are some. And they actually said mostly charity events. So I'm like, all right, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. But. Uh, it just doesn 't seem logical to me that you have a race off for two denominations at the same time. It seems like your structure should be adjusted somehow um, where you can do those race offs separately um, so I think generally you 're not going to run into this in a lot of places but yeah, yeah. Um, and, and for a lot of these reasons you know it's, it sounds confusing to the players It sounds confusing for the operators, and no one really understands or, or trusts each other one on this so um you know if you 're playing a tournament home. I would make that structure where you're racing off separately, and then you. Moving on.
0: Okay. Well, we do get to complete O'Malley's move today, which is always exciting. Here comes part one, uh, and we'll see you on the other side.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week is our final episode in the $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em Casino Cash Game. We started the night with 300 built it up to 600 but now are only up 100 for the night. We sit with 400 The blinds post. An MP makes it $10 to go, and we are next in another MP with the ace of spades, ace of diamonds. Let's raise it up. We make it $35 to go. It's folded around to the big blind who calls. He started the hand with 500 and is a pretty wild player. He'll play almost any hand from almost any position and overplays everything. He bought in for $60 and has ran it all the way up to 500 The original raiser calls, and with just over $100 in the pot, the flop is the king of spades, eight of clubs, tray of diamonds. The big blind checks, as does the MP, and we make it $70 to go. The big blind shoves over the top of us, and the MP folds. It's to us. What's
2: the move? How often have I said I hate playing against Wild Players? (laughs) Every show. Actually, I actually want to know that, count. It's probably a lot.
0: It's every show. I'm going to Uh, check with Elias Sports, but I think it's every show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Normally I'm not calling off with one pair, but the fact that this player is capable of doing this with any hand, though, makes me want to... Uh, so I'm gonna say this is another one of those uh, get out of f- jail free cards I'm playing. It really is a gut check decision at the table. Uh, if you're there staring down the player, you're the one that gets to make that call. It's kind of like the coach making the call on fourth down to go for it or not, right? Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, you you got a call here. You, this is exactly what you're hoping for. If somebody has ace king and you have aces, and they hit their king. This is what you want. This is the hand you want. If the guy's gonna shove on you, you're not folding. If he's he's got a set or something like that, he's not shoving anyway. He wants to get more out of you, so we're calling. So let's call. Here comes part two. Hello again. I don't think this is a set
1: of kings. I'm pretty sure he would have raised pre-flop with kings. However, this could easily be a set of eights or threes. It could even be king eight or king three suited. He would definitely play those hands. However, this could just as easily be king jack, king ten, king nine, any suited king. It could even be 10-8, and really any pair 10s or lower. He might turn over a hand we're a big dog to, but it's even more likely he turns over a hand we're way ahead of. We make the call. Our opponent tables the King of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds. The Seven of Spades hits the turn, and we're all but counting our huge double up when the Jack of Clubs falls on the river. The worst part about it was that we had to tell him he won the hand. He never even saw the second pair. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes you make the right read and the right move, but the wrong card hits the board. I hope to see you on the felt.
2: Uh, We are so lost against these players that we just have to make the best read we can and hope for the best when we are right.
0: We did nothing wrong, though. We were right. The guy just got lucky on the turn or whatever. I mean, a river. It wasn't us. It was a river. So, I mean, we did everything right. It was just the wrong end of variance.
2: Had to make the choice, and we got it, and I got it in good, and you know.
0: And that's why they call it poker. It's a
2: five card game. So,
0: <laughs> sorry, O'Malley, but you did the right thing. There's a consolation in that, I
2: guess. All right, sign advanced poker training dot com. Hand of the week, send your hands or situations the podcast at magazine dot com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And this week comes from our friend Randy Smith. And uh, he says, it's been a few years since I last sent you a hand, uh, due in part to the fact that I've not played as much recently, being sidetracked by other activities. That tends to happen. And that's actually not a bad thing, to be honest. Good to come back fresh. It's like, you know, taking the summer off and then coming back and rolling to 300, you know? It's exactly like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He said, however, this past weekend I was able to travel from our home in Northern California to Reno for a craft fair, where by day we were selling some of my wife's creations. Uh, I wonder if there's going to be a craft fair during the uh, any Poker Tour at the Casino Resort in Reno this week.
0: It's possible, very possible. Bring, us, bring some
2: of those wife's creations out and uh, play some poker with us. That's right. Uh, I said this finally gave me a few hours each evening to play at one of the uh, casino poker rooms in Reno. When I play in California, I usually play two five three five or two three five no limit hold'em. Since I have not been playing much lately, I decided to play a smaller limit instead. In California, that would usually be one two two one three or two three three no limit. In Reno, though, that was one two no limit. I know it's still the same game, but it feels a bit different. Thankfully, I've listened to some of your hands of the week and O'Malley uh, hands a one two to get some feel for it. I do think it's interesting the the difference that people perceive in this. Like, you know, even like on our cruise ship, we do one three versus one two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There
2: is a difference. I'm gonna I'm not gonna say there's not a difference, but I don't find it drastically different
0: between one three and one two, or between like two right, five three,
2: and 1-2. Yeah,
0: uh, it's it's not drastically, but it's always the pots are bigger because the raises are bigger. But yeah, it's it's not drastic, but it's enough to make you realize that you're playing for bigger pots and if that's not what you want to do. That's the thing is if you're if you're up against people that are better than you, you probably want to play bigger pots with them because they want to control everything. And yeah. if you're playing against players that you're superior to, then you wouldn't mind playing the smaller pots because you can just outplay them and but yeah, there's it's it's not significant, but it is different. Right.
2: Um, all right, he says. After playing a few hours on a Friday Saturday night, I started Sunday night with a grand total of thirty eight dollars in winnings. Wow, sounds like
0: my hand to mine. At least he won. Uh,
2: but also with a pretty good idea as to how the regulars are playing here. Mostly loose, uh, loose passive. Five limpers to a flop seemed to be the norm. Big pots were unusual. A couple hours in the following, a couple hours in, um, the following hand came up. I'm in seat five with Squiggly three forty up, Squiggly one forty, um, with the button um he said seats two and nine um are probably the only two tight aggressive players at the table seat seven is new and the rest are loose passive seat two forced me off a hand with two pair in a big pot a short while ago and would seem to be a strong player seat nine um seems eager to go after every seemingly orphaned pot and is one of the few players ever attacking climbers uh, except that i've done it about once an hour uh, though he does that with somewhat undersized bets. I think I'm viewed as a tight-aggressive uh, player, but definitely the uh, definitely the tightest player at the table. Though probably that isn't due in part to all the rags I've been dealt tonight. I did recently show down a losing bluff, though. Uh, the button and seat nine has placed a $5 straddle. And he said, it seems like you could straddle from anywhere here. Yeah, we got to stop that. Yeah. <laughs> that Mississippi straddle is terrible, folks. Yep. Anyhow. Uh, players in seats 2 and 3 limp And now it's on us With Ace of Spades 10 of Diamonds
0: Yay The Casenza. This this show seems to be All about me for once
2: Which is so funny Because our, our uh, Listener John On the last week's show Not Joe as I called him Last week uh, John On the, <laughs> on the cruise um, About seven times On the cruise I hear him and then I'm at the table. I hear him. All oh, the Casenzas. <laughs> and I'm not even there. And yeah, and then he got kind of upset that no one else knew what he was talking about. But, you
0: know, <laughs> you got to tell people, it, Scott. That's your there job. There are
2: a lot of Casenzas on the cruise this week, Bruce. And you were not
0: one of them. Oh, my reputation precedes me. Uh, so if we had a lot of passive people at the table, and did you say we were on the button, right? Uh, No,
2: that's what he said initially, but I think he, he, he aired. So because okay, someone else was straddling, right?
0: Yeah. Um this is an interesting situation because you could take control of the hand here with a bunch of passive people and a since it's a $5 straddle there's already some decent money out there to to make it a decent pop and then take down, you know, ten fifteen 15 bucks for nothing. So if you're going to enter the pot, did you say it was suited or not? Uh
2: no, ace of spades, 10 of diamonds.
0: Okay. Ace of spades, 10. Of diamonds. Um I don't know if you're going to pop it. Let's if you're going to come into the pot, I want to pop it. The other thing is that i I would you've been there long enough do you know what this button player does with his straddles? you know does he
2: yeah he didn't give his notes on that yeah. all he said was uh seems uh, eager to go after every seemingly orphan pot when the few players attacking the limper. so
0: so that could be something you could put in your little file cabinet too you know if he if he seems like this guy's going to go after this pre-flop because he straddled and we all limped. Then maybe you limp, let him go after it, and then come over the top of him and take down a really decent pot without even showing your cards. Um, who knows? Uh, I don't know enough information to play this as effectively as I could if I was actually, actually at the table. But I like to enter pots for a raise if uh, I have a hand that I think can withstand it and give me position. So, I don't know, a couple of limpers at 5 each plus another 5 is 15 in the pot. I don't know. I wouldn't mind making it like uh, 30, 35 to go maybe and then see what happens. Yeah,
2: this is part of the reason I, I, I don't do well in cash because I can't
0: adjust uh, between tournaments. So
2: in a tournament, I'm clearly raising here. Um, and the reason is I, I the Ace-10 is a very vulnerable hand. Um, I don't want uh, these limpers in. I don't want to go this flop four-handed with this hand at all. Um it's possible that these limpers are limping because of the straddle um, and are looking for a little check-raise stuff. So at this point, I want to I want to light that, that that fuse right now and find out just how strong I am. And, I am. So, you know, if the button wants to raise me again, all right, now I'm going to give him credit for a better hand than I otherwise wouldn't. Um, and then if it's raised after that, then I can easily throw this hand away knowing that uh, I'm done and then don't have to worry about it. So... So in cash though, I'm like, you know, why do I need to do that? There's no need to ever do that in cash. Um because the blinds don't go up, but there is a need to do it because you need to keep accumulating chips, or eventually the blinds are gonna blind you out even a one two, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> so I feel like I need to raise here because that's what I do in a tournament. But it, it 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 I struggle with that, but uh I'm not playing right now, it's not my money, it's Randy's money. So Randy, I'm raising your money. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I think that's the proper thing to do here. So,
0: yeah, I said thirty thirty-five. What would you do?
2: That that seems
0: not right. Okay, you know,
2: enough enough to get the pretenders out, but not so much that if if that raise if it gets raised again that I can't um you know fold the hand right. And definitely if it's raised and re-raised, that's what I'm talking about. If it's just simple, one raise, then then I got to figure out what I'm doing. But but I'm not gonna be happy 4 going to a flop with this. No. Um, all right, so our hero says, By now I have seen uh, how loose this table is playing. A figure in my hand is better than most. However, there's a good chance that if it is unraised by the time it gets to the button, he will raise. For me to raise now seems a bit too optimistic with five players to act behind me since I would have to fold to most re-raises. I decided to limp with the intention of re-raising if the button tries to steal. I'll also be okay if it limps around, but would likely fold if anyone else raises.
0: And that's what we uh, said. Uh, I said it earlier too. Is that if that guy is, has a penchant for, you know, popping it when he's the, when it's uncontested or when it's, when there's no action coming to him and he he's on the straddle, if he knew he was going to do that, then yeah, I would repop it. So that's that's, the, that's a, a effective plan too.
2: Um, all right, seat six and seven also calls seat eight folds and it's on to the button, uh, who predictably, to me at least, raises the seventeen, and it's folded back to us.
0: Wow, that's not even a big raise. Um, people make it 17 to go when it's first into the pot on a 1-2 game. Yeah, yeah. So I gladly make it like 50 to go now and and just watch this guy crumble, you know, 50 or 60.
2: Well, yeah, and we have players in between us too, right? So yeah. this is a good spot now to really get heads up with this guy, which, is I again, I wanted. I mean, we were talking about four players before, but I forgot about all the players that haven't acted yet. So now we have some of them in the pot now. Um, and I'm not going to call 17 to go four-handed to flop with us. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think you have to raise, find out whether, one, it's probably going to freeze out the people in between us, which is nice. And then, two, we'll really find out how strong um, the button is because he may raise his back. And at that point, then, all right, I need a lucky flop, I think, probably. But if he doesn't, then I think we're in business now. Um, but sadly, he's going to have position on us the entire hand, which
0: Yeah. Is just, uh, but it just goes back to the fact that we think this guy just wanted to take this pot easily or get heads up and have position, and now he's going to be put back by us popping it again. If we just call here, that's, I think that's a mistake.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, we have to raise, so...
0: Because if you raise now, re-raise, then you don't have to worry about hitting the flop. You're telling him you had a huge hand and you were hoping to be able to raise, check-raise, exactly. or whatever, limp-raise, so...
2: Well, yeah. if we just call here. We're going to get some more callers. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You're In the middle, I mean... Again, that's the, the the danger with the the Mississippi Straddle, the Button Straddle, is that you know people tend to limp more because of that because they want to see what the the straddler is going to do. So, you know, it, uh, the ones that came in before us obviously didn't have a hand; they were just trying to get there cheap. But the ones in between us, we don't know yet. So, yeah. All right. Uh, our hero says, even though I now have position on no one, I had a plan and I'm sticking to it. I bet the pot forty five bucks. Okay. Seat 6 folds, but seat 7 calls. Now it's on the button. Uh, Who who folds? Wow.
0: Wow, that's weird. So Uh, this guy was doing the plan that we were doing, but now that we've popped it again, he's now being cautious and calling behind us because he was probably hoping the guy would pop it and then he was going to be able to re-raise, but we re-raised first. So now the guy in between is like, all right, well, someone else had the same decent hand than I did, so this is going to be interesting now.
2: It's standard straddle Deutsch Bankery, I think. You yeah. know. There's got to be over
0: 100 in a pot now.
2: Yeah. Uh, Mari says, uh, seat seven, uh, and I have uh, seem to have about the same amount of chips. We go to the flop heads up, which is the ten of hearts, ten of clubs, queen of spades, and we are first deck.
0: Well, that's an awesome flop for us. I mean, I, I'm going broke <laughs> if somehow this guy's got, like, king jack or I don't know and it's a nine or he's got pocket queens or queen ten you know so be it but I'm going broke on this hand so I'm betting like three quarters of the pot here I'm probably going to bet like 60-70 bucks here
2: yeah what I love about this flop is one I mean I'm going to take queens out of our opponent's range here I think they would have played that differently Uh, so if they have the ten we have the best ten right now unless they have queen ten which is possible it's possible
0: but would he really uh, call a $47 raise? With,
2: probably not.
0: Yeah, you know, $42 uh, more or whatever. No way.
2: So here's the thing. I, I love that we hit this so hard that now we're going to pretend that uh, we're making our standard seabed. It tends to trap players a lot, right? Because now they're like, oh, yeah, he's just seabedding. Now I'll pretend I have a 10. I will have to fold. But guess what? We have the 10. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I think a lot of players would tend to check this because they want to trap and stuff. But you don't need to trap now. And the best way of trapping now is to bet your hand and and have somebody think you're bluffing and and raise you. So that's the way you trap in this hand. So I'm definitely I'm doing the same thing you're doing. I like that three fourths of the
0: pot. That's that's
2: a nice size nice bet. Yeah, let's do it. It almost sounds like we're scared of the flop now. You know, we're trying to push you off of it.
0: Yep. And if and they're if they have, they're hoping that you have, you know, like jacks or something, and you're just see betting, and then they're going to try to take it over with ace queen or something, and so. Yeah, I like a bet here. And if he folds, it's still a decent buy. You're got a 100 bucks for not even doing really anything. So, Wow, Ace Queen would be a dream hand yeah. for
2: us, right? Yep. <laughs> um, all right, uh, here it says, Bingo, uh, set with top uh, kicker. Uh, it's also somewhat wet. This doesn't seem like a good time to slow play by checking, especially after check re-raising. I'm trying to figure out what hand would limp behind four limpers and then call a limp re-raise of this size. This is also the new player, so I have no information on him. High pairs, ace, ace, king, king, queen, queen, jack, jack, or ace, king would have almost certainly raised after four limps, right? This probably leaves ace, queen suited, maybe ace, jack suited, and perhaps jack, 10 suited, or 10-9, suited as those are thought by many to be ace, aces cracking hands. I don't think a good player um, is calling with pocket uh, pairs 9 or lower since they're not getting the right pot odds for a call to try to flop a set. Um, I don't have enough behind for that. Of course, since he's new to the table, I really don't know if he's a good player. But I'm way ahead of those hands anyway. There's a squiggly 120 in the pot. I think a continuation bet makes sense. There's only a queen-queen and queen-10 are ahead of me here. And they both seem unlikely holdings. I lead for $55.
0: Okay. I mean, I don't really think that's a bad bet. You know, we talk about betting. So two thirds, little two thirds usually. Bet. That's a little less than half, but yeah. I mean, I probably would have bet a little more, maybe seventy five. I mean, but anytime like
2: half, half size bet is is
0: decent. Yeah. I mean, sometimes
2: I would have bet more, but you know, a half size bet is never wrong. I don't think so. Yeah,
0: it's it's not too bad. So I'm I'm fine with that.
2: All right, the villain uh, takes his time, uh, even more time than he did before calling my limprey raise, and then calls. Okay. Turn is the king of spades, making the board ten of hearts, ten of clubs, queen of spades, king of spades. And honest.
0: All right, we started with 340. We've bet basically 100. We have 240 left. There's 120, 110, 100, so 230 in the pot. I mean, I'm probably. I don't know. I mean, I, I could be worried now because it keeps making the, the board more wet. Wetter. <laughs> wetter. I don't know, do. Do you, do you really just bet 100 and leave yourself 100, and, you know, whatever 10 behind or whatever it is? Or do you shove here? Um. Probably hundred. Well,
2: I think now ace-jack is what we're worried about, but I don't see that being likely now. No, he's not going to
0: call 55 on a gutter.
2: The flop bet, right? So yeah. um, I still think we're pretty good here. I mean, again, I'm with him. I eliminated ace-ace, king-king, queen-queen, and jack-jack. Uh, obviously can't have tens because we have one of the tens. So, um, I mean... Does queen-ten or
0: king-ten call that race pre-flop? Probably not, right? So the only hand we're really behind is like... Is like, I don't even know. I don't even know we're what we're going.
2: I think we're right now. I really yeah. can't. Uh, so. Unless
0: Ace-Jack somehow. But why would Ace-Jack call for a gutter of 55
2: yeah, bucks? see, the, Yeah, that flop bet makes it really hard for me to believe that someone's going to stay in with Ace-Jack. They they would have stayed in pre-flop with it, but that flop bet... Um, you Because know, now you're talking a gut shot at that yeah,
0: point. Yeah, so. a gut shot and one over.
2: But, um, so I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good here. I'm worried about if he has some kind of weird spade combination. I don't know what it could be, but... um. I think it could be the king. Yeah, I don't
0: no. know. Yeah, because what spades, ace, jack of spades, doesn't even matter. doesn't stick around for that bet because yeah. there's no two spades on the flop. It's only one. So, I mean, unless this person just really just crazy, wild, or ignorant, there's no reason to call that bet without some sort of piece of that flop or an overpair to it. And if it's an overpair, we kind of ruled that out pre-flop. So I'm kind of confused. Now, it could be that this is the guy that limped hoping for the button to raise the straddle. He did raise the straddle and then we re-raised so now the guy's like alright, I'm going to sit back. Yeah, so maybe he does have queen-queen. Yeah, it could be. Now he's walking us but I don't All know. Right, well, I'm I going think broke. I
2: need to get a value bet in here and if I'm wrong then a value bet saves me money as well too. So uh, that's
0: 130. Two two. Or Two, 230.
2: 230, guess, or yeah. 230. So maybe 100 here? Yeah, that's I mean, what I'm we're saying. I'm behind now. I forgot. I got lost track of what we still have left. But. So
0: uh, we bet about 100 already. So we'd have 240. And you bet 100, you'd have 140 behind after that.
2: Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm going to lay this hand down either. So if he raises, you know, it's going to end anyhow. But um, I, I would rather that be the one that shoves all the money in and find out I'm wrong. Um, we have
0: one out if we're wrong, too. We still have an out. We have a yeah. 10. <laughs> 10 could win for us.
2: Uh, but the other thing too is, you know, I I do want to get paid off too. So, if there's some kind of weird hand here that he thinks might be good and he's willing to put a hundred in, I'd rather get that hundred out of him than shove and have him fold. So, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I I think a hundred is my bet here. We'll find out, I guess.
0: We're agreeing way too much on this hand, Scott.
2: (laughs) All right, here says, All right, the pot's up to squiggly 230 now, and we seem to have a little bit more than that remaining. Any reasonable bet will leave me pot committed in case of a re raise. Obviously, we're not folding. Checking doesn't seem right, given the potential straight draws out there. The hands that beat us now are king-king, queen-queen, king-ten, and queen-ten, but we already ruled those out. So there are three possible East jack combos out there. Jack-spades, 10-spades, and 10-spades, 9-spades of, of would have the best draws, uh, 14 outs, or uh, jack-10-spades, and 11 outs for the 10-9-spades. Of of so except for those combos, I'm still 2-1 to one to win the hand at worst. I shove. Uh, the villain asks for a count, and the dealer declares 239. After a long wait, the villain calls. It's a cash game, so neither player tables their hand. The river is the tray of hearts. And the villain quickly tables his hand first. Jack of clubs, ten of spades. And we scoop Yay!
0: Scoop. Ah. That's the only hand that makes sense. You know, preflop. I mean, I guess preflop you could <laughs> go and be kind of crazy and bet, call a bet of 47 with jack 10 knowing you might get a caller behind you so you got three to one on your money and if you flop right you know but that's tough i i don't see myself calling jack 10 pre-flop with that kind of aggression and wildness behind me too with the you know the button straddler guy so that that's an interesting call uh got himself in the serious trouble though
2: yeah i'll say i kind of made an error in looking at that we we were looking at hands eliminate and we didn't really think what hands were possible and jack 10 was very possible and so, I mean obviously resort results entered and he's not going anywhere, so I mean the the show was good there and ended up winning for us, but uh he had outs to beat us there, so
0: yeah, I mean we did talk about – if you rewind the show, you'll hear that we did of us said something about, you know, the guy has the other guy has the other ten. So I I would think that somewhere in there, yeah, we were thinking that we were just trying to find out hands that were ahead of us but and the Jack only 10 reasonable wasn't ten
2: would ahead. Jack, right? Yeah. So,
0: I mean, he's not, I mean, and even I, that's I think tough think to be reasonable. Can it, nine, is it, but yeah. Is it reasonable to call that preflop re raise Jack 10? You got a raise and then a re raise, and you have Jack 10 sitting in between a guy who raised pre-flop. you know, still to act behind you. As so hey,
2: somebody who's lost a lot of money on Jack 10 because he thinks it's um, the second coming of pocket aces, uh, yeah, I will say there are lots of people that are going to put that money in with Jack 10.
0: That's just a bad um, play. You
2: shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh it's a lesson I'm still struggling to learn. But but yeah, that makes sense. Um no other I mean, ten nine doesn't make sense. No. You know, you talk about that is out. So I mean really, I mean it's kinda weird to go back and look at this now. I'm like that's the only reasonable hand that I can imagine unless he also had another ace ten like we did. So Right. Um yeah. Yeah. But our hero says for an interesting exercise, try playing back the hand from the villain's perspective. He'd like me put me on ace, ace king king or ace king Suited in order uh, to do that limp raise move. If that is my range, then his play makes sense. Uh, queen Queen uh, three combos is the only hand he might think he is losing to, and not many players would limp after two callers with that hand. Um, yeah, interesting point. I mean, well, again, I mean that's what I like about we got lucky and air quotes on this hand by hitting those tens, and then we acted like we didn't. So I mean, it did. Confuse our opponent into letting us get all his money. So,
0: you know, at no, he- I was going to say at no point in this hand were we ever behind. And if you sat down, if we just rewrote this and just had it was a, a hand that you and I were playing in Vegas or something, and we said we were in the middle of the table, we had a straddler behind us who likes to steal pots but also is aggressive. And then it comes to us and we have Ace Ten and we raise and we get a guy call in between, just call. Then you have another guy. Who is the straddler who we just said was kind of, you know, aggressive and whatever. And then he pops it and then we repop it. Would you ever put the guy in the middle who now calls a pop of a repop or a repop of a pop? Would you, would you ever call, think that guy's going to have Jack 10 off suit? There's no way. You can't put him on that hand. It's a horrible call because you can't put him on the hand because it's a horrible, horrible play. Because now the betting is still reopened for the guy behind you who's crazy and wild or who is aggressive and wild or who doesn't like to lose pots or whatever. You don't know what he's going to do or what he actually has. You're wasting money in the middle there. And then he ended up losing his whole stack with it. That's just a horrible, horrible play. Yeah. I don't yep. see how you can put him on that hand. I'm glad he, he won. But I don't see how that guy justifies calling Jack Ten off to a raise from a straddler and then a re raise who clearly was setting up the straddler. Randy was doing that. What are you doing in the middle with Jack Ten off there? You got it. you just just forget it. That's just terrible. Yeah.
2: No, I'm not defending, I'm just saying people No, do no, that. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, people do it and it's it's what's why we make money at game at this game, because people make mistakes like that. Um and then and there you go, the one hand you don't want to see is the case tens coming out and you do want to see it but then when you see that you're like oh wow what are the odds and it always happens that's what we have hand of the week every single week you think you've seen it all and then something else will happen and you're like wow and that's to get that call to get a straddler to have the planets align like that and then get the case tens to come out to get that guy stack in your stack it's just it's sick it's a sick game sometimes and it's a lot of fun and it can be painful too but wow that's crazy I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table.
1: Anti-up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.